Hello, welcome to Integral Yoga Podcast, live from Yogaville. Today I am joined by Jai Utah. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jai is a sacred music uh, composer, Grammy nominated. He has been leading kirtans around the world for 45 years, uh, creating a safe space for people to really open up their hearts and, and voices. So thank you once again. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be at Yogaville and nice to meet you and to talk with you. Yeah. I like to jump right in with this question. What matters to you? Kindness and being present. I think uh, I think that's that's the main foundation of spirituality. I mean, I have so many more thoughts about devotion and worship and the spiritual life, but I think it comes down to kindness, caring for others, and being there. Is kindness something that you can practice at, you think? Of course. Um, <clears throat> one time my, my guru said, love everyone. And, you know, that seemed like, well, that sounds great, but that's impossible. I mean, I won't say impossible, but <laughs> improbable. <laughs> and then, But he ended it by saying, and be kind to everyone. Yeah. And that you can do. That's a practice. I think the love, as grace manifests, the love manifests, or you know, over lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. But the kindness is something that can be practiced every day. In general, do you feel, because you, you mentioned lifetimes, so do you feel that there's a progression that's happening over generations, which is maybe challenging to see, you know, and day-to-day -day life turmoil, but do you feel that there is a sort of progression that is happening towards the spiritual path, towards towards love, or? You mean, you mean globally or within myself? Globally, or as a, a species, even as a planet. Well, probably from the beginning of time, there have been two streams, and the stream of evil, the stream of light uh, and you look at the world today and, and it feels like we're plummeting toward the end of the Kali Yuga and the, the reservoir of compassion and goodness seems to be drying up and yet at the same time in a smaller portion but significant portion of, of the world civilization I feel that people are are intensifying their spiritual practices and intensifying mm -hmm. their um, desire to not only lift themselves up spiritually, but to uh, uh, manifest that in the world at large. Mm -hmm. And um, perhaps I don't know, you know, but perhaps as as things get worse, the the desire of the other core of people to do more, to do to to invest more into the pure, into the sacred, and into the compassionate actions of life uh, seems to grow and grow and grow. So yeah, I say both things are happening. You know, the the scale is not very level. The scale is like, right. 
Uh, it's not what you would call a balanced time in our global evolution. Hmm. You mentioned last night um, that I think you said that you can never feel useless. I said, well, sometimes I feel useless and mm. I have felt useless, but but that I realize there is never a time that you actually are mm. are useless. Things are There's always, you know, useless is a is a mood that you can fall into, and it's and it's, um, you know, it's a depression, and and but but there's always there's never a moment when there is not something positive and useful that you can do is this the beauty of kind of the spiritual path in a way and focusing on the internal work that we can do because although it's hard to to feel useful in an external uh point of view internally there's always room to grow and and to progress well yeah that's true however i think in my life the the people that i've met who you know, seems so dedicated to helping the planet. Well, they're very spiritual people, but they wouldn't present themselves as necessarily spiritual people. Mm. So I think people on the spiritual path have, you know, have a leg up, I guess is the phrase, um, on expanding and... and uh, uh, Growing into seeing the bigger picture and how and 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 exploring ways to help the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. However, you know, there's also uh, many spiritual people, and I use the word with a little bit of irony, you know, mm-hmm. who are who are only concerned with their own enlightenment, their own mm-hmm. bliss, their own um, spiritual evolution, and and you know, far be for me to to put down at someone else's life path because I can barely find my own life path. But to me, that doesn't seem to be the, the way that is needed. Um, and, you know, in, in bhakti, bhakti yoga, devotional yoga, the, the, um, the, uh, the quality of service, the, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the action that love and ecstasy is an action. It's mm. it's you know we don't chant and do japa and do wild kirtans just to get ourselves off. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say we, but I don't. Mm. And and um, the service side of it, the giving to others, is 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 the most important. I would say. Mm. And doesn't it seem beautiful? the way that nature is set up that when we serve something also happens internally is just like the byproduct and the more sincere the service is the uh the more fulfilling it is internally so that maybe it's is it really I, I, my question would be is it really even possible to only focus on you know the internal and make a lot of strides there uh yeah i don't i don't know exactly what those strides would be yeah (laughs) but yeah it's true and when you step outside of yourself and help someone else you do you feel better um that's that's really true it seems like hard to believe it i think perhaps in the this time and culture that we're living in a lot for me especially like you know i had to go internally and ask the question like is that really really true that 
you know, service towards other people is the, maybe the best thing that I could do for myself? Like, is it really set up that way after so many years of, uh, you know, I don't know, through advertisements and, and, and culture, it just doesn't seem like that would even be possible. But. You know, I, let me share a, a little experience. I, <clears throat> this was about, oh gosh, maybe seven or eight years ago or something like that. I was at my guru's ashram in the Himalayas and my guru left his body in, in 1973, I think. Um, and so the ashram has been tended like a garden by uh, an elder, elderly woman who was a devotee for many, 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 many years. So I was there um, and she asked me to sing every afternoon in the middle of the courtyard 11 Hanuman Chalisas. Now Hanuman Chalisa is, Chalisa means 40. It's a 40 verse prayer to Lord Hanuman, the monkey god. <clears throat> and I had a loudspeaker. I, I made a microphone and it was coming out of the loudspeaker. And the thing was that I had done that before and it hadn't, it had been nice, you know? Not a big deal, but a nice thing. But but this particular week, I I could not get out of self-consciousness. Yeah. You know, I was like one of three Westerners there and the rest was Indians. And I know that they're my extended family, but... At that time, all I felt was like, they're looking at me, they're judging me, they're critiquing me, am I doing this right? Uh, you know, and every afternoon, Ma, the, the woman who took care of the ashram, would praise me. So finally, at the end of the week, I went up to her and I said, Ma, you know, it's, it's beautiful to be praised by someone that you love so much, but I have to tell you, I, f I feel a little bit like a fraud because cause actually this whole week I haven't felt anything. You know, I've been singing and, I, and I've just felt like dry as a bone and full of self-consciousness and I haven't felt my guru. I mean, you know, it's just been, well, it's been tough. Mm. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, she was very stern. She said, Jagopal, that's my full Indian name. What does it matter what you're feeling? Mm. And, uh, you know, that knocked a whole lifetime of subtle belief systems mm. right, right off, the, off the meditation cushion. You know, I was raised to believe in my DNA, as everyone in this country pretty much, that we are the center of the universe, each mm. one of us. So she says, what does it matter what you feel? Uh, you're doing your service. And she said, you know, you Americans... Many of you feel that doing service is eating an Indian sweet and blissing out under a tree, praying. But for us, service is often very filled with work, very filled with worry and, and um, effort. And, and, so, and she said, you know, people are, are being touched by your voice. You, and if you don't feel it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you feel it, sometimes you don't. But the, the process is happening and you are serving your guru and you are serving all, all the people around you. So anyway, you know, th this took a considerable amount of digesting because mm. uh, we want to feel good doing what we're doing. Mm. And that desire to want to feel good, it's not like evil. 
It's not a bad thing. But then I, I looked at around the te- at the ashram there because I stayed a you know a couple weeks more and and I saw that that all the people, particularly the elders, there's a lot of old people. You know, everyone was doing spiritual practice. Some people were um, chanting. Some people were reciting from spiritual texts, Srimad Bhagavatam. Some people, some people were cooking and serving food. Some people were serving chai. Uh, many people were were consistently cleaning this and that, and um, and other people were doing the pujas. And, and and I and I looked and I saw that nobody was actually doing these things for their own spiritual elevation. Mm. Um, they were doing it to, for, for, the, for the others, for the people around them. They were doing it, yes, for the mystical form of the guru, but they were doing it, yes, more than that, for, to uplift everyone who came into this environment. And that was, you know, really a mind blower for me. And the sincerity with which everyone was doing all of these practices was, you know, was full on. It was, you know, even the old, really old people, it was full spirit in in what they were doing. And it just wasn't for themselves. Now, I, I can imagine and project, and I think it's true, that, that these people were, were quite happy and, and were living a very peaceful and, you know, heart-opened, beautiful life. But self-realization wasn't their motivation. Mm. Service was their motivation. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And when I hear that, it's like, it, it seems just like this wham that takes you right out of yourself. Like, what does it matter? you know, what you feel yeah, right that, now. That was the first thing she said. And it was very strong. And yeah. she was usually very, very gentle and sweet, but she was very adamant. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, being in an emergency situation where someone needs your help. Right yeah. there, you're not thinking about yourself, right? Yeah. It's just what needs to hap- happen right now in order to, to help someone else. And uh, I guess an inquiry for me is that type of feeling of, of living a life of service, you know, can we incorporate that into our daily lives, into our spiritual practice without an emergency needing to happen, right? Um, yeah, well, that's the question. And, and in a sense, it's always an emergency, but, but, mm. but without that panic, yeah. you know, and, and, and there is also self-care is important. And, you know, for me, that's hard, um, but, but learning to somehow take care of my internal energy world so that I don't get too depleted, mm. you know, and, and, and I don't have the answer to that balance, yeah. uh, uh, but I know that balance is also important. Mm. At the, I think in the movie last night, uh, Swamiji was talking about that. Mm. And when people ask you to help, help, but you're so wiped out, you've learned to say no. Right. So there's that element as well. But you know, be, becoming a father, and I know I'm not unique in this, but but you know, I, I've been what, what I would say, you know, like a, a practitioner of bhakti yoga since I was 18 or something like that, and I'm 68 now. Mm-hmm. But when I became a father 14 years ago, it was the first time really another human being was completely more important than me, mm-hmm. and 
and it wasn't out of obligation and it wasn't out of um uh you know it's supposed to be like this it wasn't out of emergency or anything like that it was just out of complete love and and like somebody asked me an acquaintance asked me she said she said jai now that your father your you know your bhakti practices must must be falling apart and at first i couldn't even assimilate the question and i said but after i i kind of considered it i realized you know i think i'm starting to understand bhakti for the first time in my life mm-hmm. and it 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 harks forward harkens forward to when sidima said that to me mm-hmm. you know um when i became a father i was i worshiped this other little being and had to do a zillion things to take care of him to keep him alive and and it was never a bummer <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. you know it was the primary you know people say doesn't that doesn't he distract you when you're singing when you're chanting i said well you know yeah but i like the distraction more than what i'm being distracted from mm-hmm. you know the love of my child mm-hmm. so that's not a distraction at all mm-hmm. and it seems to me just from listening to you and I'm I'm a new father as well so you know the there is a a tiresome feeling that comes along with it but at the same time you know I wouldn't say that the experience for me at least is depleting right it's more this this fullness yeah. that comes from just the uh experience of being a, a parent yeah i mean every potential you know like a, a, every friend or acquaintance that i speak to when their their wife is pregnant for the first time and they tell me all the fears and all the things is this going to happen is this going to happen and i say well yeah all that's going to happen but but that's like this mm-hmm. and the expansion of your heart is like this mm-hmm. so yeah all those things happen but they they they're like nothing mm-hmm. compared to the rest of it now of course when i first became a father i became this very obnoxious proselytizer for parenthood yeah. and <laughs> and but then i gradually realized well you know everybody's life path is different and and i i can't tell people <laughs> you guys your your life is worthless if you don't have a baby i mean i was sort of coming from that place for a while and mm. that obviously is not correct mm. uh, i my my challenges a lot of my challenges were were I'm not quite feeling it now, but maybe I, maybe it'll come again. Was each phase of my son's um, development re- reminded me of of my childhood mm-hmm. in that age, mm-hmm. and there was a lot of difficulty in my childhood, and so you know I kind of had to process in some way each of those stages. and you know really make sure that i wasn't projecting my fears and my issues on on my son and um you know it was a really deep deep journey that 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 part wasn't easy for me mm. the you know the diapers were always easy mm. um the feeling of do, uh, is it even possible for me to be a good father you know the, the, those feelings were the ones that 
I had to really, really work with. Yeah. Yeah. The the fear, I think, you know, creeping in on all levels. But yeah. I'm not I, I good want, enough. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, you mentioned something last night and what is it what is it like to feel fearless? I couldn't say. Um uh, I have come to the place in my life where I can say to my fear, uh, how you doing? Mm -hmm. uh, you're here. I know you're here. Um, I don't enjoy your presence, but, but my next step, my next step, my next step um, is going to be taken, whatever you say. So that's kind of where I am with fear. Sometimes I say, let's have fun with fear. Mm. Um, I wish that I could say I'm fearless, but I'm not. I have a lot of anxiety. I have a lot of fears, but I, I don't let them paralyze me. Right. And I don't mean it as a, as a constant even, mm -hmm. but do you have moments, you know, uh, where you feel, I don't, you know, there's no fear here. I am fearless. And if so, like, what is, what is that like? Well, there, there's, okay, there, there's moments in singing mm -hmm. and there's, there's moments in life, there's moments in loving, um, intimacy, mm -hmm. uh, there's moments occasionally in, in nature, you know, it's moments, moment for me, there's more moments in music when, when I just feel I could just fly away, you know, that, that, the it's all everything just opens up and there's there's no impediment um and that's a beautiful 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 feeling mm -hmm. it's it's fleeting mm -hmm. you know um but the, but it's an incredible feeling when i feel that if i'm with a group of people and and we're we're all doing this together mm -hmm. you know that that is a, a, a an experience that it's really hard to put into words, it, it, and it happens in the kirtan experience, in the in the group communal chanting. It doesn't happen all the time, you know, and it doesn't happen from start to finish. But I have to say it. It happens a lot for short periods, and it, it's it's wonderful, you know. It's just like awesome. We're all together. We're all flying through the air, like completely in in on the the winds of the, the devotional heart. You know, so that's a great feeling. Yeah. And you said, uh, don't even think about doing this right. Yeah, I said, I said, don't think about doing this right. And if you find that you feel that you're doing it right, you can be pretty sure that you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm just sort of playing with words. But, but, but I, I, I didn't, I don't want both in myself and in the people that I'm with, uh, to feel a sense of rigidity mm. that that the practice, um, you know, the melody has to be absolutely correct and the, 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 the emotion has to be absolutely spiritual or all those things. I, I feel like, you know, I used to feel, so I've been leading kirtans for a long, long time. And I used to have the feeling, you know, I didn't think about it, but when I would reflect upon it, I knew that this is kind of where I was coming from, that I would lead a kirtan, and it was sort of my responsibility to get the whole room, get everybody off, mm. kind of. And, and um, you know, then it 
came to me, what, what an incredible burden that is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, wow, that's exhausting. And so completely uh, illusory. I mean, I mean, that's not the right word. So, so completely wrong view. I mean, it's just like, makes no sense. Because A, each person is responsible for their own experience. And B, more than that, when we sing kirtan, we're putting ourselves in the hands of God. Mm-hmm. And whatever God wants us to experience, we'll experience. Mm-hmm. So, so suddenly, my job became a lot easier. That my job w- became simply to be as present as I could be, as authentic as I could be, as, you know, dig in to my heart as deeply as I could be, and, and also to do my craft as as well as I can do it, which some days is good, sometimes not so, and but but and and then give the rest of the responsibility to God, and because these mantras are divine, the mantras that we sing are another form of God. You know that that the that's part of the philosophy that um, when we say, for example, Ram, we're not just calling to Ram. We are. Uh, Ram is manifesting in within us because that name is completely he. So so the responsibility was, you know, like I try to get to the gig on time, try to have a good meal and feel okay in my body as much as I can, try to not be phony, you know, because uh, in front of an audience, sometimes you, you don't want to be, you know, there's the tendency to kind of want to hide and project Mm. something not quite authentic. So part of my job is to really, really try to be as authentic as I can. But as far as the experience of, that everyone in the room has, I, I no longer take responsibility for that. And it, it's very freeing, and I think it's more true. Do you set an intention to be vulnerable? No, I, it's, well, yes, in a way, it's a life intention. You know, I mean, I don't set an attention, intention before going on a stage or something, but it, it's, it's the way I try to live my life. Um, I also, you know, at the ripe, my ripe old age, I'm also learning about boundaries, mm-hmm. you know, um, when there's when the time not to i don't mean to shut down but to uh cocoon a little mm. and and i'm learning that you know a little late <laughs> <laughs> but um but the vulnerability well about 20 years ago two two really big things happened in my life and one was i got sober cuz i had been a very active drug addict, alcoholic, even while doing all the, while, you know, attempting to live the spiritual life and and singing kirtan and sharing devotion, you know, um, the different parts of me were quite out of sync. But anyway, that's a very long story, but uh, I got sober and um, I realized well, the only way to stay sober, particularly in front of people, is to be vulnerable and honest. Mm. 
and and the more you know i would use drugs to to numb myself or or numb put something in between me and all the people around me mm. because i was too scared of them you know uh, too scared of being vulnerable and and just kind of to tell you the truth terrified so i kind of convinced myself that my work my connection was me and god and that everybody else was mm. something dangerous so what i found when i got sober through the the process of getting sober etc was that no letting people in and letting people see and know who you are with all your um cracks you know uh, your very human um wounds not that you have to have a group therapy session i'm not meaning like that but just that the the realness of of who you are is what elicits love and support from others and um so it really changed me and and then around the same time i met the woman who i'm now married to and I had, you know, of course, been in different relationships and stuff, but I never felt safe enough to um, become completely vulnerable. I never felt safe enough to open myself to this complete fear of being seen. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, uh, you know, there's so much terror of being seen. So most of my early life. I chose to make sure I wasn't seen. And then suddenly I wanted so desperately to be seen. It didn't take the the terror away, but I didn't feel dangerous. Have you received the feedback that being authentic actually holds uh a lot of value or the most value that we can offer to someone else that when when I'm being authentic that's valuable for you and vice versa yeah i have received that feedback a lot um and it's always very uh, affir- affirming for me and 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 plus not only receiving the feedback i feel it with others you know when you're with someone who's really being real with you you f- you feel that and and you want to connect with them and and you admire them so so yes i've i received the feedback about myself and also the experience i've experienced it in others so um you know so a lot like people ask me also in terms of kirtan students um well what should I do? I'm just starting out. What songs should I sing? Should I should I make the songs short? Should I make them long? Should I do them slow? Should I do them fast? Um, are there certain kirtans that you think are more accessible than others? You know, a, a million different questions. And and I really I say, listen, the best and the only real thing that you have to offer is the authenticity of of your heart in that moment and the song you sing 
you know, we'll sing what you want to sing in that moment. Don't try to even begin try to seduce the audience, um, but just be as real as you can with them. And sometimes you might have the experience that half the audience will, will leave. You know, some, it might not connect. But anything you do to hide that authenticity in order to get people to join you, you'll be joined by people with whom you don't want to be joined. Mm. As I, I don't know grammatically if that worked, but, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You want the people to stay who resonate with who you are, not who you may project yourself to be. Mm. You can find yourself being surrounded by people that you don't want anything to do with. Right. But if you're really, really authentic, you'll be surrounded by people with whom you share inspiration, share um, positive intention, share fun, you know, share joy. And, uh, and that's really cool. That makes, it's part of a, it's one of the ingredients of a beautiful life. Is there something about the simplicity of kirtan uh, which allows us to go deep? Meaning, okay, now I've got this chant. You know, I, you know, I mean, we say it again and again and again. Okay, I got this. I know how it goes. Now I can kind of relax and, and go deep. Is that what happens? I, I, I think so. I, and I think it happens subconsciously, you know, like below. The, it's not like the mind is saying, okay, finally I learned this melody, now I can go deep. I think, I, I, there's, you know, pra practical and mundane explanations, but there's also mystical and magical hmm. explanations. And, I, and well, first of all, I have so much reverence, I guess I could say, for the simple mantras that we sing. I, I just like, I worship them, the mantras themselves. So they do something that that we can't understand why they do it. And, and I just take that as, as a gift from the ancient ones, you know, the ancient, ancient ones, mm -hmm. and, and perhaps a gift from the unseen gurus and, and the deities themselves. Uh, but, you know, the human, the human creature, thankfully, responds to melody and to rhythm. Uh, you know, we just do. Mm. Uh, and so, and also the practice of deep breathing uh, um, has a very subterranean calming effect mm. on the individual. So, so like we're combining this, this effortless concentration on on melody and rhythm it's not really concentration you know we're just enjoying melody and rhythm and melody elicits emotions as does rhythm and at the same time we're, we're deep in this repetition which re repetition just very gradually like you know it slips up the mind the mind just kind of mm. slips off because we're we're repeating this and we're repeating it with feeling because the music and the rhythms generate so much feeling. So it's not like a dull repetition that you have to you know, force your mind to concentrate on, which perhaps has value at other times. But in Kirtan, it's a different kind of thing. It's, a, it's, it's a, um, emotional and inspiring and, and engaging mm. concentration.
And so, I don't even quite remember what the the question was, but but there's a way in which a group, a group of individuals, because each person's individual, but a group of unique individuals in a group can can kind of slip out of the intellect and into this expansive heart space without even quite exactly knowing how that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I find endlessly amazing and endlessly fascinating and endlessly engaging. Uh, I'm never bored in a kirtan. No, that, 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 <laughs> I can't say that. That would be a lie. That would be inauthentic. But I'm hardly ever bored in a kirtan. And this is even, um, you know, this is more true than saying, it's not like I'm saying I'm in bliss every kirtan, because that would be like a total mm. baloney. But, but the experience from moment to moment to moment is, is always so rich to me, even when I feel like I'm suffering. Mm. You know, I'm, even when I'm having a hard time, when I'm feeling internal oppression and, and challenges and stuff. It's always a deep journey, you know. So, you know, there's moments, I guess, now and again, when I just like time is moving really slow. What's going on? Is this happening? Anything happening? But, but those are, those are honestly few and far between. Hmm. And is a part of the the spiritual path kind of accepting all variety of experiences that we're going through. Unfortunately, right? yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, no, I'm, I'm joking when I say unfortunately, but yes, of course it is. Uh, life, life is, is not an easy proposition. I mean, human, human incarnation. And particularly now in, in, in our age, the global age of, Ooh, so much trouble, and and human bodies that that have suffering built into them, and uh, there's periods of of beautiful connection and and intimacy. You know whether it's intimacy with ourselves or with nature or with others, and beautiful flow. And then there's periods of mm-hmm. of of anxiety of feeling lost of feeling confused of feeling physical pain you know uh, i mean the 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 dimensions of the rainbow of suffering is is multicolored as is the rainbow of of um light and beauty so i i guess you know it seems that part of life is well how can I put this in a way that's not cliche? Uh, I'll just say like this. Um, the last couple of months, I've been struggling with very bad asthma. I've had asthma since I was six. Mm-hmm. And um, most periods of my life, it's been under control. I take medicine, mm-hmm. you know. But the last couple of months, I, I've been really struggling and, and you know, suffering with it. And, and, there's an anxiety around it because it, it very much affects my singing voice. So I'm thinking like, am I going to be able to sing? And then, and then just there's also a, like a deeper anxiety. Am I, I going to be able to breathe? Mm. And 
so so a couple of weeks ago, I, I was just getting into a pretty depressed mood around this, um, also feeling weak, you know, and and, and so my spiritual my my <laughs> spiritual fervor was not very fervorish, mm. um, and but you know, I, every evening I have a a small simple set of practices and prayers and rituals that I do before bed. And, and so I was, you know, I had a little walk-in closet that we turned into a temple. Mm-hmm. And I actually, this is how low I got. I was, I was sitting in the, the temple and I was looking at the statues and the pictures and I was, I was thinking, are you guys real? Are mm. you really there? And, and the answer it wasn't like there was a big resounding yes. The answer was simply, do your prayers and, and don't trip on this. Mm-hmm. Act as if. And, and by the time I was done with my practices, I was very once again filled with that presence. So, so, like, so people ask me, well, what do you do you know, when you're not feeling it in the heart? This is back to also the, the same question mm-hmm. uh, from the very beginning. And, I, and, and what, don't you go through periods when you just don't want to do any sadhana, you don't want to do any spiritual practices? I said, yeah, all the time. And, and they say, well, what do you do? And I said, I do them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just the same again as like being a father. Are there days that I don't want to help my son with his homework? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I help them, and and I think that's what's wanted of me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's a stretch. Like a couple of weeks ago, I was in Mexico and and at a retreat, you know, and it, you know I had done six hours in the day and singing and mm-hmm. teaching and stuff, and I, it was evening. And I was wiped out, and. I get a call from my son and he really needed help with his homework. And did I, at that point, want to do that? Whew, no. But but more than that, I wanted to be there for him. And I, and I, and the reality of what I wanted in that moment became less important than what was needed from me in that moment. Way less important, so I did it with him, and and I was tired, and then it, mm. then we completed it, and told each other we love each other, and I went to bed. <laughs> Again, the service, um, and how about the service of doing these workshops or camps that you do? Uh, have you been doing them for a while, and are you seeing that the popularity is is maybe growing in them? That uh, it's really helpful and useful for people to have this experience of, of chanting for an extended period of time? It, yeah, I, I, I think it, you know, having an evening of kirtan is a great thing. Having a weekend of kirtan is, is a greater thing because the time, the expectations become less, more spread out, I guess. You know, it's like we're not expecting for everything to happen to right, right now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's a more of a integrative process having a week of kirtan or 10 days of kirtan mixed with yoga with mm-hmm. you know hatha yoga mixed with storytelling mixed with learning some technical things it you know two things happen one is that 
uh, this vulnerability again mm-hmm. that we, we become such a, a beautiful family. Like my extended family is, is so big now and with real like uh, affection, you know? And then another thing is that we have a lot of fun, but then underneath it all, this, this process bubbles, 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 bubbles. Uh, I always do our kirtan camps in a casual kind of way it's not it's you know it's not i'm not strict or anything like that we 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 make it relaxed and fun but but just being in the practice for seven or eight days Mm -hmm. a a tremendous amount of uh, underneath levels start start just bubbling up and and it really 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 deepens people's connection um to their to God, you know, to the divinity. Um, we're on our 18th year. I mean, I do a lot of weekends all over the place. But for our actual kirtan camps that are longer, we do a winter camp and a summer camp. And we're on our, just going into our 18th year now. So this is like, you know, before it was pretty, before it was, I mean, it wasn't common then when we started. It actually was, you know, I have to say it was completely my wife's idea. <laughs> Because I came back from a, a weekend retreat somewhere, and you know, even 18 years ago, traveling made me, made me exhausted, mm-hmm. <laughs> so exhausted. And and we looked at the finances and said, "Oh, you made really good money for that group." And <laughs> and she said, "Look, why don't we do it ourselves? And we can stay at home, and." And we'll make the money ourselves, and you don't have nobody, to, no other elements to interfere with. Mm. And I said, "No way! Who would come?" Mm. So she said, "Let's give it a try." So we gave it a try, and well, you know, a couple of weeks before we started, we were sold out. And then the deeper level of insecurity came up, which was like, "What am I going to do? What am I going to say to these people? What am mm. I going to teach?" Um, and, and, and anyway, you know, it became pretty clear pretty soon that that everybody who was coming w- was the teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone, I mean, not literally, but everyone was coming with a heart full of uh, experiences, a heart full of um, longing, mm-hmm. uh, a heart full of things they wanted to learn, and a heart full of things they wanted to share. Mm-hmm. And... 18 years later, uh, um, I would say the camps just are better and better and better. You know, as far as attendance, some years were jam-packed, some years not quite. Mm. Um, so I can't really quite read that. Mm. But as far as the maturity of of the students, it's really different. It's grow- Each year, there's just deeper and deeper. We get a lot of repeats, of course. Um, but... You know, and then then you uh, then you look around and you see there's that kirtan and bhakti yoga events around not just the U.S. but around the world mm-hmm. are more and more and more popular and more and more prevalent, and that's a wonderful thing. You know, I remember one time at Bhakti Fest, which when it was really really big, I asked the audience, I said. I'm just curious why you're here, mm. and I, I, I. But I wasn't like asking four thousand people to give me an answer. But I said, that, you know, just quietly ask yourself, 
while you're here. And then, then I said, you know, every and any reason is a good enough reason if you're being honest with yourself. So I'm so happy to see you all here. And some of you are here just for, for, for you know, the bhakti immersion. Mm. Some of you here might be here to try to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Mm. And, and that's beautiful also if, if you're just real about it. Mm. And, I'm, and then I said, and I, and I'm so happy you're all here. And then, mm. you know, it was just a moment. It was a moment when, because it's different. When you get 4,000 people together, the intentions and the motivations of 4,000 people are, 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 you know, it's a widespread. It's not an ashram. Mm. But um, nonetheless, it's an incredible phenomena to have that amount of people from many different walks of life coming and singing God's names together. Mm. And dancing and and enjoying that nectar. Just what a blessing it is. I think it's so cool to give people permission to accept themselves. I think that's the coolest thing. Really, yeah. say okay. You know, take a moment, reflect, and and uh, that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, yeah. Is that I accept you, whatever the answer is for you that that brought you here. Like, that's okay. And yeah. It's like the most refreshing thing in the world. I think. I, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's really vital. Hmm. And, and again, you know, when someone comes to a festival, hopefully to meet a soulmate, and just meditates and pretends that they're there only for enlightenment, mm -hmm. then you get a confused person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and besides, you know, there's nothing more beautiful than finding your soulmate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, that's part of life. That's, that's why, you know, people are longing for, for connection to God mm -hmm. and people are longing for beloved connection with some with another person mm. not everybody you know but many many are, are the loneliness the human loneliness which is a reflection of our separation from the divine um is is very pronounced and very painful mm. for many people yeah okay final question okay <laughs> what's one thing that you would like to improve on yourself? <laughs> I have this, uh, I have this fatalistic thing that like anytime I get like a cold, mm -hmm. I think, okay, I'm gonna be sick forever. Mm -hmm. or, or if I have a little argument with my wife, okay, well, I fucked it up. It's over. Or, you know, I start coughing and my voice becomes hoarse. Oh, I'm never going to be able to sing again. Mm. Um, I don't know how, what word I would use to label that mm. negative tendency, but I'd really like to graduate from that one <laughs> and and really know that, okay, you know, things happen. You know, get asthma. Your voice is rough. You have an argument with your wife. Uh, and it passes, mm. you know, and it passes, and it passes so quickly. But for those moments when I'm in it, I think it's never going to pass. Mm. It's a very immature kind of uh, uh, psychology. And I would like to mm. 
That's what comes to mind when you ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd like to become a better singer and a better guitar player and a better mm-hmm. husband and a better father and, uh, you know, a better hatha yogi, you know, like I'd, I'd like to attend more to my physical body mm-hmm. than I do to my, like, mind, heart, soul body. Um, but those are those are all works in progress. I don't think you're alone with that one at all. And I think it's this, this patience, right? Yeah. And maybe there is a maturity behind there too to, to have the that patience and just, okay, let me sit with this and all right, let's see what happens. And yeah. maybe I'll and you might ask me that question on a, on a different day and I would have a completely different answer. Sure. Yeah. But that, <laughs> that's just what was brewing yeah. in me right now. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing everything. Really Thank you. Thank you for having mm. me on your podcast. What, what's the podcast called? Integral Yoga Podcast. Integral Yoga Podcast. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. There's so many people that come come through here and are living here to the sannyas and the reverends and and just it's nice to try to capture that. Yeah. So. Everybody has a unique and beautiful perspective. Mm. You know, uh, one thing uh, you know just to, to close up like but in in our kirtan camps and in life, but in our kirtan camps I I encourage everybody to find their own way of expression mm. that you know you know it's fine and dandy to say okay we're all one mm. uh, i know that on some level that's true i guess but we are all completely unique mm. and god made us that way completely unique so you know f- find each person find mm. the way to express your uniqueness mm. And and use your individuality in your devotional practice. Mm-hmm. You know, don't call to God like He calls to God. Call to God like you call to God. Whatever that might look like, and and to cherish the uniqueness of each one of us, because it's not like it's not like a division, but it's like we're all d- different prisms of of the crystal, mm-hmm. reflecting the light in different ways. Mm-hmm. And to honor that, and to um, enjoy that, and to suffer with that, and just to be that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Let's close together with the sound of Om. I wanted to ask you so much more about this one, the individual individuality and the spiritual practice. I love it so much because um, it seems like that's that's like that's the wonder of our planet. Both there's so many different types of humans and there's so many different types of animals and plants, and it's like God telling us, like, oh my gosh, this this yeah. variety yeah. here, like, acknowledge it. It's and, amazing. And, and many groups and and spiritual kind of things. You know, kind of want people to suppress that individuality, mm. and and as you said, you know, it's like it's so obvious. Mm. You just look around; every leaf is different. So, likewise, every person is different, and that's a beautiful thing, not a bad thing. Mm. And the and the the power that comes from feeling like I wouldn't rather be any anyone else than I am. 
yeah. or even that it's just preposterous to even consider it because how could I even know? Yeah. And there's this tendency yeah. to like stack ourselves up. How do I compare to someone? But it's like, yeah. you, you, you can't, you can never do it. You can't put our lives on a spreadsheet. You know? Yeah.